Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today we are going to be talking about hacks. Um, about the hacks that we ship, the hacks that we probably shouldn't ship, um, and in general, kind of what they are. I mean, I think it's a term that is often thrown around in development, um, and sometimes in a pejorative way, and sometimes in a, like, praising way, um, which is always kind of interesting when you have a word that can be both something that's really good and awesome and something that is awful and terrible and no good. Um, And so... I think like a kind of a fun topic to just kind of unpack and talk through maybe some of the the good hacks, the things that are really cool and clever, the things that are kind of in the me- that middle ground where it's like mm, it's starting to get a little questionable, um, and then some of the hacks that we probably should never ship, but sometimes we do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's and then that is I think the tricky thing if you're not aware of uh, which, which which bucket it uh, have particular ha- uh, hack falls into you may uh, you know start start to really fall you know fall into these traps a little bit more easily. So when I think of a hack. What I, I would I was trying to think of a good like operative like definition to kind of separate it from just regular development. And I think when I think of a hack, I think of something that is either a shortcut, like either just like I'm finding a a, a, a way to a way to so, to solve a problem that is kind of skipping over a bunch of usually required steps, um, or it's kind of like an oblique solution to the problem. So rather than like solving the problem in the way that you would expect to, or like the natural solution, um, you find a way to have a solution that works. And, you know, often a hack will kind of solve 99% of the problem, but not the hundred percent of the problem, but you're okay with that because it does it in such a, you know, this, this clever and clean way. But it's typically about rather than doing the, I don't know if you could call it like the academically correct solution to a problem. Like the hack is the finding a way to do it in by, you know, abusing some kind of some one of the system APIs um, or working around a system API in a weird way. Um, but in some way or other, you're kind of going around things in a non-traditional approach. And ultimately, I find that your ability to do these kinds of solutions it can be really powerful. Like it's a funny thing to say, but I think I'm pretty good at finding these. Like, I don't really know exactly what part of my mentality. I think it's just the profound laziness that I tend to have in life. Um, it's the best kind of programmer. <laughs> yeah. It makes me look for these. Like it makes me look for like, huh, is there a way that I could, you know, if, if I'm, you know, looking at this, this big complicated feature, I'm like, is there a way that rather than actually solving it, I can kind of solve it. <laughs> here's a bunch of work in front of me that i don't want to do is there a way i can not do it yep (laughs) that's basically it and often there is like when when you start looking at these big scary problems um you often find these really novel solutions that um you know aren't as maybe academically or you know professionally as clever as good or as clever but like get the job done and if it gets the job done, it gets the job done. And so I'm always on the lookout for these. And I think in general, it's a great tool for getting things up and going. And especially, you know, in, it, like the app store is a pretty dynamic environment where being able to do things more quickly than your, uh, your competitors 
is an advantage. Like it is definitely an advantage to be able to do things more quickly. And, you know, you the ability to find these shortcuts and find these oblique solutions um, to problems, I think is a great, it's this one, one little like tool in the toolbox to help us, you know, sort of stay ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the thing about, about finding a good hack is it's just so incredibly satisfying. <laughs> like I, I love, I like, and it's, you know, as you said, it's, like, it's a kind of thing where like, it's satisfying both as a lazy person of like, I just avoided a whole bunch of work. Um, but also just like, as like an intellectual, you know, or a programmer, it's like you, you get satisfaction out of, out of cleverness, out of clever solutions. And I just, oh, I get so much joy out of it. Like one of, one of the favorite things I discovered, uh, recently was, do you remember, did you see this uh, back like in like, I think it was the, the Quake source code. There was a, a method to do a fast inverse square root. And this is something that games have to do a lot while rendering um, textures and stuff. And you know, if you, and like square roots operations are complex mathematically, but there is a way that um, I, I, here was here. I just found it. It's in Quake Three Arena uh, in the code. And you know, like John Carmack is famous for being like an incredible programmer with this kind of stuff. And he probably wrote this or adapted this from whatever. And, and like you totally bypass doing an actual reverse square root operation or inverse square root operation by just like a bit of like bit shifting and quick math that's really fast to do on processors and it includes this weirdo constant you like bit shift by this one weird constant you know like 5f37 something <laughs> and in the source code he actually wrote what the f like <laughs> next to it like what is this number <laughs> but it works and it, it generates like an approximation of the of the value that he, that you need and it's something like 99% accurate, which is like good enough for a game purpose uh, in way less time on the processor than doing like the actual mathematically correct operation. That's like, that is an amazing, amazing hack. And that like, <laughs> like the day that that was discovered by somebody must have felt amazing. Like, and like, so, you know, like whenever I have like, you know, a day, like usually I don't have a day like that where I discover a new way to do math, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I do often find like time savers uh, or shortcuts or or the ability, as you said earlier, like the ability to like to to do something that I wasn't supposed to be able to do, maybe like styling a certain element a certain way in the app, or or you know it, a certain UI behavior or a certain animation getting it quite right, um, and and really like the best apps are filled with glorious awful hacks because <laughs> you know usually to do to do whatever is considered uh, making an app great at any given time uh almost always involves some degree of like clever or horrendous hacks because oftentimes you're you're working around you know ui framework limitations uh or abilities of the platform that are are possible but really hard or you know kind of edge cases that you don't usually need to do um and if you do glorious hacks effectively you can set your app ahead you can make an app that people that, that that people take notice of that that does something noteworthy or newsworthy uh, and that can help you not to mention the fact that as an independent it can save you a bunch of time if you learn how to hack well um but you know i think it's a question of like deciding when to uh try to find a glorious hack to something and when to just say no thanks and that's that's trickier than than uh, some of the hacks themselves yeah, though I do think it's like I think what you just hit on there is I think the the, the best kind of hack, like the one that I think is so, it's like the thing you know the thing that I love is when you are able to use a hack to do something that shouldn't be possible, right? 
given whatever kind of what you're defining as possible, but like you come up with a way to do something like, you know, in that example, it's like doing this math operation really, you know, efficiently, like that shouldn't be possible. Like it's, it's, you should only be able to do the math the way the math is, but like, is this somehow you're able to do it? And and from a develop an app perspective, it's like if you can do this thing that shouldn't be fo- that shouldn't really be possible, but you find a way to do it, then you're necessarily like putting yourself at an advantage towards your competitors because from their perspective, it still is impossible. Like it still is ridiculously computationally intensive, or just you know a lot of times you'll run into these things in you know they're just you find a, a way to hack with the frameworks that Apple gives us in a way that gets you allows you to do something. And like the one that I am still probably to this day, the most proud of was in Pedometer plus plus, which, you know, it's a step counter. And so I'm added a feature where it could show you your step count on the, as the badge for the application itself. I mean, that alone is a hack, right? The idea of using the, of using like the, the red alert badge as to represent a value that's like in the thousands as a step count instead of like a message count or something that is itself a glorious hack yeah nope that is the, but that's not even the cool hack like that was just kind of like uh like huh i wonder if i, I can think of because this, this was in the days before today view widgets and so i was like how can i show you your step count without launching the app like oh what if i make it a badge okay that's great and it, you know, it worked all right and turns out though that once you get to really big numbers of badges, because I'm abusing the API, um, I discovered that it would start to truncate. You know, so if you once you got to above, um, typically it was about ten thousand, the ten thousands of steps. So once you hit twenty thousand steps, the badge would start to truncate, and it would just be like you know two dot 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 six um, is all that would show <laughs> when you you know rather than showing the actual step count. And for a while, I was just like, oh, that's fine. Like, how often are people actually going to, you know, d- does it really matter that once you've hit 20,000 steps that it, it, it truncates? But it bothered me. Like, cause I, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I, I really don't like that. There's got to be a way to work around it. And one day, of course, it was while I was taking a shower because that's where I have all my best ideas. Of course. Um, I had the thought. I was like, I wonder if I can rather than if, if. The, the actual number that I display there is important for what gets truncated because it's why it, when it goes from what, you know, 10,000 to 20,000, it starts to truncate. And it turns out it gets truncated if you have, you know, the numbers are too wide because it's proportional font. And so if I put a lot of ones in the number <laughs> that gets displayed, it doesn't get truncated. In in the, you know this is why ten thousand doesn't get truncated but two thousand does because two thousand is wider, and so once I had that you know test try that out then I what I've started to do what I started to think is like huh what if I just change the step count so that it always includes at you know at least when it's five digits long it has to include at least one one and when it's you know gets longer you start to in- increase the number of ones that it starts to do. <laughs> and it worked. So if you, so if you, once you get above 20,000 steps, the last digit is always a one, which most customers will never notice because it's the least significant digit. Like the difference between one, you know, the, the number ending in 21 and 23, like you're not going to really notice. You're mostly focused on, you know, the more significant digits at the front. So I just sit there and I go through and I take, you know, I take the, the number and I just count the number of ones. And if there's not enough, then I add one at the end and replace that digit. Um, and I go from there. And it's this like awful hack that's kind of changing the, you know, I'm just dynamically changing the step count so that the badge doesn't truncate. 
but it works. And so I was able to abuse this system API for badges that was never really intended to display, you know, numbers in the 20,000s and 30,000s. Like if you have that many unread email, you know, emails on the mail app, like that's not really telling you anything. It's just telling you, you have a lot of things. And so Apple never really intended for this badge to be accurate, you know, to this and this and this, this many digits, but if you just randomly, if you just start sort of go through and replace the, the you know digits with a, with a lot of ones that are nice and thin, it works. And like that's the kind of hack where it takes something that doesn't seem like it should be possible, um, like it shouldn't be possible to display the number twenty thousand as a as a as a badge on an app icon. But you know, find this kind of glorious hack by switching out a few digits, and then it was possible. And like those are the best kind of hacks, the places where we can make something that doesn't seem like it should be possible actually work. Yeah, and in that kind of case, like that was also good because there were really no massive side effects to it. Like you weren't like, you know, like if you know the worst case scenario was Apple updates the OS and the font is slightly slightly different or the bounds of of that box is slightly different and then it doesn't fit anymore at all. But you know, ultimately, like that's a pretty safe hack because like worst case scenario, you got to update something you know later on, but it's not going to break. You know, like that's and it doesn't really touch anything else, and you are. You are technically corrupting the 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 display of the data, yes. but in a way that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like that's that's glorious, you know. Like, and this uh, and this reminds me, like, you know, a lot of times, you know, you can build a whole feature on hacks. Like, you know, the the entire badge icon feature, as I said, is itself a glorious hack. Um, you know, back back when I did Instapaper, uh, the very first pagination algorithm I did, this was. You know, now I think it's a lot easier on a web view. I think they just built it in. But uh, back then, there was no built-in way to offer pagination of a web view. You could you you could scroll it, and that was it. Uh, that that was you know your only you know your only choice. And you could programmatically scroll it, but you know, but there was no way to like split the content into pages. And even like WebKit now has ways to do that, I think, but but it didn't back then. Uh, and so. One of the way, and so I, I brainstormed lots of different ways I, I, that I could like figure out where the page breaks were and, and paginate a a large rendering of a web page. Uh, but because I had control over the background color, and I knew that it was all it was always normalized. It was always like you know either your, your background color is either you know white or black or whatever it is, and, and like that's it. And I also knew that. I was doing things like sizing images and stuff such that they were never taller than one page of the screen and, and things like that. And so my crazy idea was, you know what? This was, and this was back with, with the iPhone 1 hardware. Uh, and and that, that was a pretty slow device. I'm like, you know, if I just take, a, take like a screen grab of the rendered page and just search for like what is the... Like go from the top and the bottom and try to find like... Where is where is a solid color line of pixels? And then just draw opaque views. Once I find like where the where the solid lines of pixels are, basically draw like curtains, one on top, one on bottom, to just black out the area up to that point. And then I have pagination. And all I have to do is when the user turns the page, draw the screen up draw you know r- scroll up to the next page and then before it before it displays to the user like during the same iteration of the run loop before it displays to the user render it again to a bitmap find that next line and put those curtain views where they need to go so the user always sees consistent pages and it never breaks uh that i thought there is no way this is going to work on the iphone one and it did 
and it was fast and it was great and the only downside was that if you had a, a line that included all lowercase letters it could theoretically and sometimes did uh cut dots off of i's and j's and put them on separate pages because sure. it could slice between the the line between like the the one pixel line between the i and its dot it could cut a page there uh, because it didn't have any concept of of like line height of the of the text being shown and that was the original pagination algorithm and it worked great and it was fast and that that was the only downside and it didn't matter really much you know it hardly ever was actually a thing uh so it was glorious and i could build this entire feature and because i had come up with this crazy hack actually had the initiative to try it and then was able to technically do it and then of course had had the guts to to ship a, a horrible hack like that <laughs> because of that i had this like must have feature of read later apps that no one matched i think for like 2 years or something it was a long time before anybody else had pagination um and that gave me a competitive advantage and and it was a great feature to use it was fun my users liked it i liked it and so it was kind of like the only downside was i didn't know if it would work in the future and this is always a problem but it seemed like a pretty safe bet and it, it indeed did work I, th- I i think i think i did eventually change the algorithm but i think it would have worked uh for basically indefinitely into the future and i absolutely loved it yeah and i think that that speaks to some of the best sources of these kind of like these glorious great hacks uh, is whenever you can think of the problem from a completely different perspective so in this case you took something that was like the usual solutions would involve dealing with the html right dealing with the text itself and instead you're like eh rather than dealing with any of that stuff that sounds really hard i'm just gonna (laughs) i'm just gonna think of it as a bitmap and like you completely take the problem and turn it around when rather than dealing with like the really hard problem domain of like html layout and things that are just really hard problems it's like you know what bitmaps are easy they're just arrays of arrays like that's a really like anytime you can kind of find a way to do that it's these really I remember when I was doing computer science at college where you'd have these like, and obviously this was like an intentional exercise. The professor, like this was a journey the professor was intentionally taking you on where you start off with this really like naive solution. That's kind of, you know, really hard and tricky. And then all of a sudden you, you end up at the end of this journey and you're like, you're solving this problem in a really clever, like novel way. And usually it like, there was this magic point where you, rather than solving the problem directly, it's like you went around back and came in the side door and suddenly <laughs> all these other things are possible. All these other things that like should be hard suddenly aren't hard because, you know, rather than dealing with text, you're dealing with pixels um, or rather than dealing with the, you know, the obvious solution, you're dealing with something, you know, differently. Like you're not dealing with the raw data itself. You just deal with something, some other kind of meta situation on it. And like that switch, that little like insight that you can have is usually the source, I think, of the best kind of hacks. We are sponsored this week by Dice. Dice has been helping tech professionals advance their careers for more than 20 years. They have the tools and insights needed to give you an edge. The Dice Careers mobile app is the premier tool to manage your tech career from anywhere. With thousands of positions from top companies, you'll find exactly what you're looking for. And if you're wondering what's next in your career, DICE's new career pathing tool can help you learn about new roles based on your job title and skills. They'll even show you which skills you'll need to make the next move. 
And so the Dice Careers Market Value Calculator allows you to understand what your skills are worth. You can discover your market value based not only on your job title and location, but also your specific skill set. So don't just look for a job. Manage your entire tech career. And Dice will help you do that. Download the Dice mobile app, and you can learn more at dice.com slash under the radar. Once again, download the Dice mobile app and learn more at dice.com slash under the radar. Our thanks to Dice for sponsoring this show and all of Relay FM. So not all hacks are glorious, though. <laughs> there are some hacks that are probably best left behind, or the ones that at least you need to be incredibly careful um, about doing. And I think those tend to, at least from in my experience, they come in kind of two categories. There's the ones that you should never ship with that are really bad and, you know, dangerous. And then there's the kind of like, mm, like maybe this is okay. Um, you know, so I think of things like all the hacking that we end up doing to like poor UI table view where oh, boy. like we do all these things to kind of make some behavior work. Um, but we're kind of abusing the API in the, in the way of doing this, or like we use an API because it kind of lets us easily solve the problem when like we know that a better solution exists. And so like for that I think of something like using background app refresh. Um so for example like in a podcast app, right? You could use background app refresh to ref- to keep the um you know the subscription list up to date. Um or you could do server side crawling. And server side crawling is hard, but you can kind of make it kind of work with background app refresh. But, like, it's kind of a hack because it's never going to be as good and, you know, a better solution does exist. And, you're, you know, you're intentionally working around it. And, like, it's fine. It's probably okay. Uh, I think that kind of hacking, is, you know, especially the things that we have to do around UI kit, where it's like we just – I want to style this element and I find some kind of weird way to do it um, or I find a way of, you know, like – I remember trying to do something where I was inserting elements into the top of a UI table view without affecting the current scroll position of the table view, (laughs) which seems like it should be somewhat straightforward, but is actually in like fiendishly hard. And you just end up with these crazy hacks, you know, adjusting at like you kind of work out how the UI table view, how many pixels down it would shift down, and you in, you know, in the same run loop shift it up. But what happens if the user is you know touching it and sw- scrolling while you do that? Like all kinds of weird things happen. You end up with these kind of awful hacks that don't work a hundred percent of the time, but you know will work well enough most of the time, but are often kind of an essential part of being an iOS developer. So we kind of have to hack on these things. And we kind of use these APIs in ways that they're really not intended for. Um, But when we do this, you know, it's probably good to keep in the back of our mind that we are kind of hacking and we are doing these things that are almost certainly going to come back to bite us uh, at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, the thing is, like, you know, many of the UI hacks, like something like a feature hack, uh, or something like you know uh, something that's kind of confined to your own code and your own components is way safer and a, and a much like better idea usually than hacking UI kit stuff. Unfortunately, hacking UI kit stuff is often what we need to do, <laughs> and this is this is what makes you know so many of us depend on on horrible hacks and you know much to the chagrin of the uh, Apple staff members who whose job it is to to deal with us and the ramifications of us doing this uh, we apologize but uh you know oftentimes that's what you need to do and and fortunately over time as ui kit has gotten more mature and has gotten kind of more built out 
there are so many capabilities that are just built in now using officially supported methods that before you'd have to do horrible hacks to 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 achieve so certain appearance techniques or you know different behaviors different different traits but still like even in this day and age like here i was shipping overcast 3 with tons of table view hacks uh and even like even the collection view i I hacked the collection view in my uh in my ad podcast screen uh because i had a search controller to it and ui search controller is itself a giant pile of hacks that shouldn't work but somehow does uh and i it really doesn't want to work in a collection view i i have been unable to make this work uh consistently reliably in one way that is since overcast 1.0 if you type in a search query in my search box in the ad podcast screen and you select it and you hit copy in the pop-up menu it crashes <laughs> it crashes deep within ui kit in some weirdo method that's awesome this bug has been there since 1.0 people report it to me almost every day but I can't fix it. I have tried so many different things to fix it. I can't fix it. The only way I can fix that bug is to not use UI search controller on that screen. And that is a significant re-architecting and, it, and, and the result would be worse. So I've just kind of decided, you know, it's not something that people do very often. The results aren't that bad. I mean, it crashes, which is embarrassing, but then they just launch the app again and it's fine. So I've decided for now that that's actually worth the bad hackness because the the solution of rewriting it to be something else is actually worse to me than that because it's, you know it's such a rare action anyway so but i recognize that's a terrible hack like to like to, in order to get a search controller working in a collection of you you got to do some weird stuff and it clearly is not made for that and i have no idea how to how to ever make that work uh but you know i did it and it works and it's fine but sometimes that's the wrong idea yeah, and I think too it speaks to the. There's this funny line that you'll you you will eventually get. I think a sense like an instinct for of like at what point of hacking UIKit have you gone too far? And like anytime you find it, like you know you, you're trying to deal with like I ran into this a lot when I was trying to you know you're trying to style a UIKit component in a particular way, and at a certain point, it seems like in every like Stack Overflow thread about how to style something, at some point someone will have like now what you do is you iterate over all of the subviews of this view until you find a particular view with this type and this this is apparent and like it's like no, you have crossed the line, my friend. That is like you are going to a place where you're not just sort of hacking, like you are like just you've descended into madness because immediately that is going to break the next time Apple changes something deep inside that. And like, those are the kinds of hacks where it it changed, like you've, you've suddenly crossed the line from like, this is, this is okay. This is, you know, just kind of part of doing business. This, you have to kind of sometimes work around UI kit in ways that you might not like. Um, But as soon as you start kind of getting, becoming so dependent on very specific behaviors um like the, the the more tightly coupled you get the far more likely your hack is to fall apart um at some point and can you know, often fall apart in really spectacular ways um <laughs> that you may or may not want um so that's something that i definitely have so you, it's important to de- develop this kind of instinct for like you know this isn't a good hack this is not this is not this is not the way to, to implement this feature and if that's what i have to do if i have to go like spelunking down through the view hierarchy um until i can find you know the view that i want to change the appearance of like okay maybe it's just not going to be styled and that's probably okay yeah i mean subview diving is 
almost always a terrible idea. Uh, that's not to say I never do it. Sure. Uh, in fact, I, I do it a few places in Overcast because in order to get certain behaviors. Uh, but there, you know, there are ways to do it that are less risky than others. I mean, obviously, like simple things like just styling tweaks. That's really easy to just bail out of. Like you know, like if you can't find what you expect to be there in in this hack, then just skip it and just bail out. Like you know, don't you know, and, and you know, you can always you know do things like make sure that you are checking the classes of things using response to selector or is type of class uh, stuff like that. But uh, or his kind of class, rather. Um, you know, so there are ways you can do that are less fragile, but ultimately any kind of dependence on subview diving uh, for any any kind of critical feature of your app is is a very bad idea. Uh, and if you can avoid it at all, please avoid it. However, I, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You know, like I, I do yeah. subview You know, if I, if I need to do subview diving, I'll do it. And I'll just try to do it safely. And that just means you're increasing your risk of having to rework your entire UI component, whatever this thing is, uh, next time a new iOS version comes out. And, and I think the last kind of hack that I was thinking about, too, is like so often hacks are these shortcuts, right? They're these like approaches that we're taking to a problem to to do something like we have this big, this huge, this big amount of work um, that we're trying to avoid. And we find this clever way to avoid it. Like it is not a good hack to do th- like to avoid things like error handling, right? <laughs> like it's an easy, it's a, it's, a, it's an easy time saving measure to, you know, not check the error parameter to the, of a callback or things like that. Like there's easy, which you, you get into these kind of situations where um, like, Oh, I'm just going to quickly hack this together and you know you download the json blob and turn it into object and work with it and assuming that json is there assuming that json is well formed it'll work perfectly like great like that was a really quick time-saving hack to not check any of the resulting values but don't do that in production don't do that in something that you're going to actually you know ship out somewhere like that's not a it's like that, that that's a hack in the wrong way that's when you're hacking um, m- makes your app fragile and and potent, you know, and unreliable and not good. Um, so don't do that. Do the other kind. Do the glorious kind where it's awesome and clever, and you look at it and you can show it to your friends and be like, "Isn't this sweet?" That's the way. That's the kind you want to do. Thanks everybody for listening this week, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>